We're going to follow along. I'm going to read the the, few verses that we'll be taking today, verses 7 through 11, and then we'll take it verse by verse here. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, as we take a look at these verses today, they're very important, for certainly, because he's speaking, Paul, to the Corinthian believers there. There are some challenges within the church. People are wanting to do what they want to do out of uh, the clout to the cloak of called Christian liberty. There's divisions we've seen. There's fractions taking place in the church. Nothing new under the sun these days. Not, of course, at this church. It happens at other churches. But we don't have divisions and fractions at this church because the Lord is good to us. And we are unity and oneness because we keep our eyes on Jesus. But other churches in the past, like Paul is dealing with the Corinthian church, there were some challenges there. And so as he's working through and addressing some of the questions that they proposed to them, him in the letter, he gets to the point, of, as we started last week in a new section of the, of the letter, in, for chapters 12, 13, 14, it deals with spiritual gifts. And how to operate and how are those ministries and how are those gifts operate within the body of Christ. Because that's what we found is what, why God gave us these gifts is for the benefit, as we will see, for the body of Christ. So as we continue here in 1 Corinthians of chapter 12, we saw last week that the working of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is supernatural. You and I, as a believer, do not create it. God is moving. He's doing the work. It's his supernatural work naturally in the lives of the people, his children, in the body of Christ. And you and I cannot manufacture that. And as we see that, we, we see that there's an organization and there's, there's boundaries. There's, there's, there's not chaos when it comes to the movement of the Holy Spirit or the ministry of the, the working of the Holy Spirit. But he, he naturally does things supernaturally where we get away you know, through the body and, and, and does it in such a natural way. It's so good. It's so right. It's, so, it's joyful. And there's peace that comes with that. The challenge comes within the body of Christ when they take what God wants to do and because they don't see the Holy Spirit moving, they start organizing. We need to get more organized to make this thing work. Because people just don't seem joyful. 
And people just don't seem happy, and they don't seem there's peace in their lives. So we're gonna, we have to get organization. We've got to get things ordered in place. We have to have more committees, and we've got to have brainstorming sessions going on. That's worldly thinking. That's not how God works in the body of Christ. It's not an organization. It's an organism. It's living and breathing, and he moves through the body, and he sees today with a very specific equipping. In the beginning there, if you take a look at verse 4, he creates this diversity of gifts. The Holy Spirit has diversity of gifts that he gives to each one of us but also differences of ministries. And he takes those gifts and he operates within different ministries. And we highlighted those ministries that we see in Ephesians 4. And then we saw in verse 6 the diversity of activities, how he takes these gifts through these ministries and how he activates or operates that within the body of Christ. And that's our focus here uh, today is on the fact that the spiritual gifts are from the Holy Spirit. And there are three key points. We already talked about the source of the gifts from the Holy Spirit. We talked about the gifts are given according to the will of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to see that. And then thirdly, the purpose of giving the gifts and how important that is. And we're going to take each one of those gifts. There's nine of them that he highlights here in our verses today. And then we'll, of course, as we continue to work through chapter 12 into 13 and then eventually 14, we'll bring more and more of those gifts to, uh, to light. In 1 Corinthians 14, 12, it does say, though, Zealous for the spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So again, as we go through these, keep it in a context that God gives for according to his will, for his purpose within the body. Are you with me? He gives according to his will for his purpose within the body. And if you go in any of these gifts we talk about, if you take it outside and you go outside those three contexts, those boundaries, you are outside of God's design when it comes to operating within the spiritual gifts. Are you with me? Are we waking up? Here we go. So as we take a look at this, it's because we're so zealous for these spiritual gifts we must understand it's for the edification or the building up of the body of Christ, the church. It's not to, to build you up. It's not to put you on display. It's not to make you significant in the organization. I come from the corporate world. I'm in the corporate world. I understand the mindset when you're in an organization, what you need to stand out so that you can climb the corporate ladder and get positions of power and, and influence. But that is not how it works in God's body, in the church body, in the family. That is not how it works. And we are to push away those tendencies and those, 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 that mindset and look at how God sees how these things to work. It's him working through you for the betterment of the body, the edification, the buildup of the ed- Not your career within the church. Not your position, not your power, not your influence. We want God to influence. We want God to be dominant in the church. Not because you lead some committee, because we don't have committees here. Have you figured that one out yet? Have you been with us? 
Because we're not going to have it because it's not scriptural. Yes, God has called and equipped each of us for, with gifts so that when we come together to solve problems within the church, to handle situations or sit, new things come up, God has equipped you and I and the body, and they, God is going to bring you together to work on those things. But we don't do it out of, out of an organized committee. We do it because God is working and putting certain gifts within us to be able to come together for those needs and situations that come about in, in the body. It's pretty freeing, is it not? It really is. Once you you've understand that and you stay with us for a while, you'll, you'll learn that and you'll grow. It's, it's tremendous freedom. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, because you've all received a gift. We talked about last week. When you were born again, uh, you received a gift or gifts for the purpose of the body. And so, so you receive a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold of grace of God. So by the grace of God, he gives you something you do not deserve. I don't deserve it. But he uses it for his body and he uses that in the lives of one another. So when I, you've heard me say it all this time, this, this, this movement where I have this mindset where it says, I don't need to be in the body of Christ. I'm a believer. I love Jesus. And I can then go live however I want to live. And I never have to fellowship because I can do it online. I can pick and choose whoever I want to listen to teach. And, and whatever music and worship I do. I like the worship. I can do my own worship. You Create your own little church by yourself. But you're missing out on the, the most important. You're not supposed to forsake the fellowship because God wants to use the gifts that he gives someone else in your life. And it really becomes very selfish of us when we think we can just do it our own thing. And then you, the gift or gifts he's given you, you don't want to be used by God in, as a vessel to minister and help another person that's pretty selfish and that's why god says this do not forsake the fellowship it's important that you are give and take and receiving and, and giving within the body because god is equipping you to help the body in verse 7 he says very right up front he says but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all the manifest, manifestation means to make known. The, the Holy Spirit makes known to each one of us the gifts that he's given us to be able to operate within the body. And it's to profit all within the body. It's to, to benefit. It's not to just take care of just a some kind of portion of the body or, or your special little influence and circle of people that just seem to gravitate together. No, there's no cliques here. There's no division here. There's no separate. It's one body. So it's a benefit and profit of all. The Holy Spirit is always present in, in and among Christians. In John 14, 16, it says, He may abide with you forever. Jesus said that. The Holy Spirit will abide with you forever. Yes, there are times when the Holy Spirit's presence is more apparent or more manifested in and at that moment in time. It's, it, just because there's a highs and lows does not mean there's, there's good or bad. It just means God is moving at different times in different ways. But it's apparent at more times than others. Especially when you come together as brothers and sisters or two or more gathered together in his name, there's movement of the Holy Spirit. Lives are changed. People are, are just 
understanding clearly and hearing clearly of what God has for their lives and for the church. And there are times when he, the Holy Spirit, chooses to manifest himself, to make himself so apparent that people are just marveled by what he is doing amongst them at that moment in time. And he gives each one for the profit of all. So many times through the ministry, people will say, I don't know what my purpose in life is, Pastor. Well, if you're a born-again believer, he's given you a gift. He wants you to use it within the body. If you don't know that gift, be still. Seek him. Just, just take steps of faith as we talk about and watch him move and guide you, and he will plug you in right where he wants you to do within the body. He'll, he'll just start bringing up those desires, and it will take faith for you to do it. And when you know that, when it takes faith, you know you're on track you've got it all figured it out and you've got it orchestrated and you've got the 10-step plan and all these other things, it's probably not of God <laughs> because it didn't take any faith. You figured it all out. You did your little planning and operations and got it all sketched out. That's not how God works. You have to take steps of faith to, to serve him and, and there's no other way because he gets the glory when that happens. But Paul mentions nine here. Now keep in mind those note takers and pencil pushers, there is a few other places you're going to go back and read. You're going to go back, as I mentioned last week, Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Those are key verses for spiritual gifts. Also, not only this portion here, but later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, Ephesians 4, 11, and 1 Peter 4, verses 10, 11. Go back and study those today. Meditate on those today. Seek the Lord and say, Lord, what have you done? What have you, especially after the teaching today, are any of those gifts apparent in my life? And if you're not sure, just spend some time with me. Spend some time with your brothers. You will see through, the, as you're serving in the body of Christ, you're going to be very apparent what that gift or gifts are that he's given you to serve within the body. Because it's going to come very natural, but it's supernatural at the same time. And we will see these nine spiritual gifts will come to light here. And there's three things that will be highlighted today through these spiritual gifts, these nine. Or, and it comes out for the purpose to operate. First, the power to know. The Holy Spirit gives the power to know, the power to do, and the power to speak. And you're going to see those in these nine, uh, these nine uh, gifts. Here we go. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the Spirit. So the first one here is the word of wisdom, which is to the power to know. To know, and, and God gives you supernaturally the ability to, and the insight of doctrinal truth, and to apply that to a specific situation, and it will be supernaturally natural, given so that you can answer these questions or to be able to solve problems that God has presented in the body in front of you or in your family or in or the situation. You will give this and all of a sudden it will click, it will come to mind and you'll have the wisdom and understanding of taking knowledge and applying it rightly and to situation and people are going to go, where, where did you give up? Where did you get that from? And you're like, wow, I don't know. It just... 
it just it, it just came to my mind. It looked at it. It was good. It's right. And there's just a peace and there's a calmness. There's a joy that comes from that situation. It's not natural wisdom. It's not human philosophy or reasoning. It is a supernatural wisdom given to you by God for a specific situation or purpose. And it's not for the profit for you. Oh, I'm so glad I got this wisdom. You know what book I could write to make a fortune on this? No, that will not happen. It might become a byproduct, but that should not be the motivation, let alone the purpose. I assure you that's not from God. It's to profit all, not to profit you. That happens, and all of a sudden, you're even shocked in your own mind. And all of a sudden, someone says, man, that, that is so wise. That is right. That's the right answer. The last thing you and I are going to do is turn around and like, yeah, did you hear that? Did you see that, man? Give me, a, give me a pound on that, man. No, you don't profit from this. You don't get the glory and honor. You just sit there and say, praise God. You better get on your knees and thank him for even using you, let alone putting something wise in your head. Because you know as well as I do, you're foolish most of the time in what you think and do. Because it's supernatural. And if God has given you the gift, the wisdom, the word of wisdom. Do you know the key word there is the word of wisdom? It's God's word given to you supernaturally to be able to then give out for the purpose and the profit of all. Now, this is a unique ability to speak forth the wisdom of God, especially in important situations. Think about John chapter 8, verses 3 through 7. You remember the, those, the hypocrites, right? The scribes and the Pharisees, those religious leaders. They came and brought Jesus, this woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her, her, set her right, in the, right in front of him, right amongst them, they probably were circling her and putting her right in the display and said, okay, Jesus, look at who we brought you. What happened? He says, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act of it. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What, but what do you say? This they said, testing Jesus, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he, had, he did not hear. And so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. The Holy Spirit gave Jesus at that moment the word of wisdom to exactly to say exactly what he needed to say to these religious leaders to put them in, in their position in place. Because he knew, he knew God showed him that he was being tested and trying to put him in and manipulate him through this action. But God gave him wisdom to deal with it. Think about it in Matthew 22 verses 17 through 22. Jesus tells us, therefore, what do you think? These guys are coming. What do you think, Jesus? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? 
But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me? You hypocrites, show me the tax money. So they brought him, the, the, him a, a denarius, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they had heard these words, they marveled, and left him and went their way. Again, People come at times and trying to manipulate you to get you to do what they want to do or pin or do something against you or get what they want. God will give you a gift of the word of wisdom of how to respond rightly of that situation. Oh, I don't know about you, but having the gift to be able to have the power to see and to hear, but to, to understand what really is truly happening is very important as a parent within a family, but also within the body of Christ. Even as it flows in Jesus Christ, just as the Holy Spirit was flowing in Jesus' life while here he was on this earth, he, we see that the word of wisdom was flowing in his body of the believers as well. And we see many examples. But remember... Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. James 3, verse 13. So if God has given you the word of wisdom, do it in meekness. Do not get puffed up with the power of the Holy Spirit working through your life. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, James 1.5. So you should ask for that. God, I need the word of wisdom. I'm going into a meeting. I need to know that. I'm going over here to address a situation with my neighbor. I need that. I'm about to sit down with my, my grown kids who seem to be going astray. Give me words of wisdom to depart to my children. You know if it's of God, wide, heavenly wisdom? If it's heavenly wisdom, it's godly wisdom, and it will always bring peace, it will bring a calmness, and it will bring a joy in the situation that you spoke in. Now, if it's not heavenly, if it was not from God, then it is an earthly wisdom. It is a demonic wisdom that we see in the scripture. And it's usually sensual. It usually brings bitterness, strife, and envy within that situation. You know it's not of God. And if you have the gift of leading... God has given you the gift of leading. We'll talk about that later. And he's put you in a position of leadership. People have a tendency to, God uses you to, and people come to you and you just lead them. You really need to ask and you need to pray because as a leader, as an overseer, you need to pray that the Lord will give you the operation of the word of wisdom in order that you can express correctly and rightly in situations in the sight of the Lord and that others would recognize that it is wise counsel or wise decision-making, uh, and they more likely will continue to 
follow and work with you in whatever God has called you guys to do. The second one here is to, the, to another is the word of knowledge. Through the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives the word of knowledge to some. This God supernaturally given you a piece of knowledge that could only be revealed by God. You all of a sudden get this word of knowledge and you hear it and you go, man, is that really what's happening? Is that really what the situation is? And I always, we always laugh. I always jokingly with the girls, I always said, you know, God knows all, sees all, and uh, is everywhere. And he speaks to daddies. And ever since they were young, that's all we kept always saying. You may go somewhere and you may go to college, but God knows all, sees all, he's everywhere. And he speaks to daddies and mommies. That's called the word of knowledge. And so many times through of raising those girls, God gave us a word of knowledge. And they were like, how did you know? How did you find out? Who, you know, who told you? You know, that kind of thing. Like, they're shocked because... So many times God would give us that word of knowledge to be able to see truly what was happening. This unique ability to declare knowledge that could only be revealed supernaturally and you could not know that knowledge on your own. And we see this played out in Paul's life. He talks about it and we see that in Acts 27 verse 10 and Acts 27 verses 23 through 26. Remember men? He was about to go to Rome. He says, men, I perceive this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. Not only the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Do you remember that? How would he known that? Unless God gave him the word of knowledge and showed him and revealed to him what was going to take place on his way to Rome. He wouldn't have known it unless God supernaturally showed that to him. Think about in John chapter 4, verses 13 through 19. Jesus met a woman at a well. Remember the story? And Jesus said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman responds, right? And the woman says to Jesus, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And then Jesus said to her, Go call, go call your husband and come over here. I want to talk to the two of you. Come on, go get them. Bring them over here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said. I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and in that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. The Holy Spirit gave Jesus the word of knowledge for the purpose to lead that, that woman out of a life of sin and bringing her to a life of eternal life, of being saved and being born again. Do you see how powerful the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge can be within the body? Especially if someone comes in here today and they are not saved, they don't have a relationship with Jesus, and God uses that gift and operates that activity in the body during on a Sunday, and how that could lead someone to Christ?
You should not restrain that gift if God has given you that gift because God needs to use you for the sake of another life. For the profit of all. Remember Peter says to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained it was remained in your hands? Was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control? You could do whatever you wanted to do with that money you got from the sale of that property, but you chose to lie and come in here and say you're giving all this money to the, the act for, the, the, for the kingdom and for, for God, but you really didn't? You may be able to lie to me, and you may have lied to them, Peter said, but you're not going to lie to the Holy Spirit. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Why have you not, why have you not lied to men but to God? And he's, we see that in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. God gave Peter a word of knowledge to put someone on notice in the body of Christ for lying. We should do well in understanding the difference between the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Someone could be, have a great and wonderful, miraculous, supernatural word of knowledge given to them. But be very careful what you do with that knowledge. Because if you don't do it according for the, his purpose, it could, you could really mess up sharing that knowledge at the wrong time, at the wrong place, with the wrong people. You need his wisdom as well on how to apply that properly and correctly. So we have to be very careful with those two gifts. We have to have discernment. And we need to ask God for that discernment. And we will talk about discernment in receiving the word of knowledge. And remembering that God is not the only source of supernatural knowledge. Even if the word is true, it does not mean that it is from God and should be shared. So be very careful as things come in front of you, what you do with it. In verse 9, we see the next ones. To another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healings by the same spirit. We see the next one is faith. Though faith is essential part of every Christian's life, the gift of faith is the supernatural unique ability to trust God against all circumstances and to go do and to say and to move forward with what he has asked you to do. Yes, you need to have faith to be saved. You, you, God gives you that ability. But now the gift of faith is now as a believer, he's going to give you a, a gift of faith, gives you a unique of supernatural ability to go do something for him, for his kingdom, for that purpose that would be outside of like, how is that ever going to happen? Now, I don't know about you, you stare at the building across the street, and if you ever gone into the behemoth before and you see the state of it, you would like, how are we ever going to have that 43,000 square foot building turned into something useful for God? Because if you look around in your sight, you're like, that's impossible. And I've heard that said many, many, many times in the last couple of years. 
But I know that God has given me the gift of faith because I know and he's given me a vision and others that that is going to be turned into something glorious for him. And he will supernaturally do it. He supernaturally gave us a building, a 43,000 square foot building for free from someone we did not know on the other side of a country. Now, I don't know about you, when you see that moving, God moving, if that doesn't build your faith up and trust in God, I don't know what would. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. Remember Peter? When he walked out, got out of the boat and walked on the water in Matthew <laughs> chapter 14, that took a gift of faith that God gave him to supernaturally to step out onto that water and walk. That wasn't an iceberg. That wasn't a frozen over lake like we experience up here in the North Country. There was waves. Remember in Lystra? Acts 14, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. And this man heard Paul speaking. And then Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on, straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Was it... Was it, was it Paul, the great healer, who's going around as an evangelist and then as a healer going around? We're having a healing party tonight, healing ministry tonight. No, no. Paul perceived the man had faith and he said, stand up. And the man stand up and leaped. Remember in Acts 3, Peter says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by that right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And so he leaped up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with, with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel... Why do you marvel at this? Why, or why look so intently at us as, as though we have the power, our own power or, or godliness, we had made this man walk. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It was the powerful name of Jesus Christ. That was his name. That was what caused that man to have the faith to be able to stand up and be healed right then. Not Peter. Not the other disciples. But God showed and revealed to Peter what was going to take place. The faith. But we also see that that was also a miraculous moment and also a healing that took place three gifts were exercised just in that one situation amazing when the holy spirit is moving through the lives of his people great things are done things that would you would know that would never have happened 
The person who was crippled and could not walk never thought that was going to happen in his whole lifetime, let alone that day. But when God is moving and working through his people, great and wonderful things happen. The operation of faith is the ability to given to an individual to step out in response, in a response to the leading of the Holy Spirit and do something you would never have done otherwise. The gift of healings. We see that God's healing power either to, re- to be given or to receive. And we see that in some of the examples so far. And we see it throughout the New Testament. We even see it happening today where people are healed. But healing is the ability to restore health. It's also to hold off death in itself temporarily that we see. And if you notice here, this gift is plural. Gifts of healings. It's plural. It's not singular. This is not a gift of healer that you hear so many times in ministries today. Not everyone has been given the gifts of healings. We see that also in verses 28 and 30. But no singular person has a singular gift of healing. Where he can line people up and then go down the the thing. Healed, you're healed, you're healed. Not, Not scriptural. A power is given by God. To, in a situation of that individual, that crippled person who was right there, and Paul received, perceived that that person had faith, and then God gave the healings, ability for that person to be healed. The gifts of healings is given. And I do, and I, I recognize, and I do believe, that yes, God can use that individual at that moment in time, utilizing the gifts of healings, and distribute that through that person to touch that person or through a group of people. And the example that I always go back to and, and see very clearly it is, a, is a commandment we see in the scripture that says, if you are sick, James, James uh, 14, if anyone among you is sick, let him call the healer? No, he says, Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That is our example. That God can use the position, that ministry of an elder to use as a to lay hands on that person. That person takes a step of faith and comes to the elders, plural, not singular. You'll notice here, if anyone comes to me and says, Pastor, can you pray and anoint me with oil and lay hands on me and pray for me? I will immediately ask for the other elders or other men or women to come and lay hands. Because at no point do I want you to think, I am the one that did it. I don't want you to come back and then all of a sudden leave here and go, Oh my gosh, you've been healed? Yes, my pastor laid his hands on me. He's a healer, and I have a healing line lined out through this place. I want you to walk away and say, the Lord healed me. How did he heal you? Well, I took a step of faith, as the scripture says, and asked for prayer. 
It says to go to the elders. They'll anoint you with oil. They'll lay hands and they'll pray for us. And we had people come and lay hands and we prayed. And through that step of faith, it, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit was released. And the gifts of healings took place. And I was healed. Praise the Lord. Right? Are you with me? Are you with me? You're tracking with me, right? Uh-oh. Goes against a lot of things a lot of you guys have heard and, and heard taught and probably followed in other ministries. I'm telling you what the scriptures say. We see here, even in the scriptures, that at particular times, powerful times, the apostles received from the Holy Spirit to cure diseases. But we also see the power which was not always resident in those disciples. Remember, Paul could not cure Timothy. Oh, how much he wanted to, 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 uh, to, to have Timothy heal. But he also couldn't even remove his own thorn in, from, his own, from his own flesh. So it wasn't like he was the healer, the great healer. And all, okay, I, always, I, always, I always pictured, I was like, you're a healing ministry and you are a healer and you promote yourself as a healer and you go around and get paid for the profit to heal other people. Hmm, well, how does that benefit all? Okay, it just really benefits you and your book. Um, but you're sick. How did you heal? Why aren't you healing yourself if, if you've got that special gift? Interesting, eh? But I'll let them in between them and the Lord. Verse 10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. So here ends up the nine here. The first one is the miracles. The working of miracles, that, that dynamesis or the acts of power that God, the Holy Spirit, chooses to override the natural laws that we see. It's like a pilot in the plane. He's got an autopilot. It's just, it's just flying itself. It is just going. And all of a sudden, he has to take over and do manual flying. This is what happens. The Holy Spirit works through someone and says, okay, I'm going to take over and I'm going to go against what's the natural or what seems to be the, the, the natural law that here in this situation take place and I'm going to bring about a miracle in the situation. And everyone loves miracles, do we not? You like a good movie, don't you? Oh, you like a good fight for some of you. But be very careful of that. Because miracles are so incredible because it's beyond what you, it's like mind-blowing. It causes you to go chase after miracles, experiences, the rush, the moment. And not really chase after the one who's the savior and the one that did the actual miracle. That's the challenge with miracles. People say, oh, if we could only see miracles and signs and wonders, everyone's going to get saved. Not true. God taught that all the way through the Exodus and, and Numbers for us as a great example. If you know it, he took his own people, Israel, put them in the desert. He did some really miraculous things, did he not? You know, taking the Red Sea and parted it. It's a pretty big miracle. Did that save and increase the belief, the trust, the faith in the people of Israel? No. How about the daily manna miraculously showing up every day, providing food for the people in the desert? Did that, that change their lives? No. 
It didn't deepen their faith, their belief in, in God. How about when they were bitten by snakes and they didn't die? What happens if the clothes never wore out? What happened to all of these things that God miraculously was working in and through the lives of the people as they're walking in the desert? What happened? Why didn't the people become so committed and trusted in God that they would just have this belief, this such strength and belief and faith that they would just go, let's go to the promised land. Because miracles do not cause believers deeper faith. Matter of fact, it becomes a hindrance in a believer's faith. Just like the Israelites, they didn't go to the promised land because of unbelief. You would think after all these years of miracles, they would have such belief. They would, they would just, regardless of what they see and, and the giants and all the stuff, we're going, man. But it wasn't. Miracles are really for unbelievers at times because God miraculously shows and reveals to them the power of God happening and working within the body of Christ. That's what many times will wake up a person to finally look and say, I need God. See, the gifts of healings and the working of miracles, they really, as we will see here, they work operationally in conjunction with the gift of faith. We see that in Acts 3, verses 1 through 8. They're not done at whims of individuals. Oh, I want to just do a, a, a miracle today. And oh, I want to do a little healing today. And I'm going to really step out and I'm going to tell everyone, look at my step of faith. That's not how it works. It is so supernatural, natural that you are even in marveled. Everyone around is marveled of what God is doing in and through your life. Remember the turning of the water into wine? That was a miracle. Raising people from the dead, that was a miracle. Remember Paul and Malta in Acts 28 where he was bit by the snake and he shook it off and then he didn't even die of the, of the, of the, uh, from the poison of that snake? Everyone of the tribe knew that that man's going to die. It became, oh, let's sit here and watch. How long is it going to take? He's going to drop like everybody else. He didn't die. Why is he still alive? Because God wanted to reveal to them the power of God in their, life, in their, in their midst. Because God planted them miraculously, right, on that island to be a witness to those people on that island. He'll do amazing things through you and take you in sometimes through shipwrecks to an island or a situation so that he can use that gifts of miracles through your life for his kingdom. We're like, oh, I can't believe my plane didn't take off or I got stranded. I've watched being a person who travels a lot for God uses those things, those situations for his glory and for his kingdom if you're just willing vessels to let the spirit of God work through you. We also see another here, prophecy. It's the ability to declare a message of God for his people, to speak forth for God. Someone stands up and says, thus says the Lord to someone or to within the body of Christ. And it's a telling forth of God's message in a particular situation. And it's always, always, whatever they say, 
it will be in accordance with, in agreement with his word and his current work. It will not go against the word of God. It will not go against what he's doing. So you have to be very careful when you hear people say, I have a prophecy. You hear it, but if it goes against the word of God, you do not receive it. Acts 21, verses 10, 11, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And did that happen? Yes. He was bound and taken. Acts 27, verses 21 through 26. But after a long absence from food, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, same situation. In the midst of them, there was a terrible situation. Stranded. But here's where God now brings about a prophecy through Paul to actually do and encourage and what the purpose of prophecy is. And he says right there, as he stood in the midst of them, he says, Men, you shall have, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Creek and, inc- and incurred this disaster and loss. But, watch this. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men. For I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told to me. However... We must run aground on a certain island. Do you see the movement of the gift of prophecy? How here they are in a terrible situation. God had already used Paul to warn them, we better not sail, we better not go. This Gilligan's Island moment here, people, I'm telling you, it's not going to be good. And of course they think they're wiser than, you know, and they Captain, I'm a captain. You're not going to tell me what I'm going to do with my ship. You're going. But God's purpose. And then God gives him prophecy to say, wait, 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 wait. I told you that we were not supposed to go down this, don't go down this road. But let me tell you what God has shown me to encourage you. You stick with me. You stay on this boat with me. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to hit the hit the rock. But we're all going to safely be on this island because we have to go on this island because God has a purpose for this. So don't, don't go crazy. And they tried. Remember the story. Paul said, hey, don't go. If you get on that little scooter and get, take off there, you're going to die because you're not here. God said, you're to stick with me. Encouraging words. Building up. Edifying. That's what prophecy does. Edifies, encourages the body of what's going to take place. And God does that miraculously. Discerning of spirits. The supernatural revelation of, from God giving one the ability to tell the difference between true and false doctrine. And between what is of the Holy Spirit and what isn't. And we see that in Acts 8, 18-23 and Acts 16, 16-28 as a good example for you to read later. 
It is not a judgmental spirit. It's not a critical spirit. It's called a discerning spirit between true and false. What is of truth of what aligns with the word of God and what doesn't line up with the word of God. And you must have that discerning of spirits, especially if you are a leader. If God has given you a gift of leading, the gift of, of overseer to, to, to lead people. You want to ask for the, the discernment of spirits because you are going to be tested many times. People coming to you, knocking on your office or coming in and capturing you at one moment and, says, and tries to put you know, something on you. You've got to have discernment of spirits because there are three spirits in this world today there's the spirit of man but there's also the spirit of the world this world or the spirit of the devil and there's also the spirit of the holy spirit and you need to have discernment of which ones what voice is speaking to you in your head or who's presenting it to you and having those discernment that discerning spirits you can then separate what is truth and what's not. Remember in Paul in Acts 16, in the city of Philippi, this girl was following him and the other guys, and they were following around, and, and you know, Paul's doing, why is this girl talking and walking and following us around the city here? This is crazy. This, she's bothering me here. And we see in Acts 16, verses 17, 18, he says that this girl kept saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Sounds great, doesn't it? But God gave a spirit of discernment to Paul. And he, what does he do? And she said, he, she continues, said, and she did this for many days. Many days she was following around saying these things. But look what happened. Paul, greatly annoyed. <laughs> it's okay to be annoyed in the ministry. I was encouraged. Like, sometimes I get annoyed. And I'm like, why am I annoyed? I shouldn't be annoyed. But Paul was annoyed. It might be a sign of why, why I'm annoyed. But greatly annoyed. Turn and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. See what happened? It sounded good. But he had discernment to realize that was just mocking and stuff going on. And you start, you get annoyed and you get something going You check your heart. Lord, am I heart right on this? Or is there something going on in this conversation, in this situation? And I perceive that this is not of you, but this is of the devil or of the flesh of that individual. And having discernment is very important to be able to be used within the body of Christ. Because some things need to be dealt with and dealt with quickly. God gives discerning spirits to leaders in the church. We see in Matthew 16, 17, and also 22 through 28, 23, Jesus said, answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for, for, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. <laughs> Man, you're doing great, Peter. But then it continues. It says, Then... Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus himself, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall, this shall not happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That's how important having discernment because at one moment in the same conversation, someone's saying something, and you're like, whoa, 
That is from God. That obviously didn't come from that head of yours. That was God speaking to you. This is praise God. And there's a peace, there's a calmness about it. But it can be in the same question, same situation. All of a sudden, you, they come back and say, well, I don't think we should do that. I think that's a waste of time. We shouldn't be paying for that. We shouldn't have a radio station. We shouldn't do that. And then you immediately have a discernment of spirits to say, that is from the pit of hell. Get behind me, Satan. I am not listening to you. And immediately you have the gift of discernment of the spirits of that person speaking to you and you realize what you're dealing with. And then if you have the gift of faith and to say, cast out that demon from them, please follow through with what God's given you the gift to do and free that man or that woman. Another is the different kinds of tongues. The ability to speak an unlearned living language. It is a personal language of prayer given by God to that believer to communicate between them and God that goes beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. And we'll study this more in chapter 14 when we get there. But the language is an unlearned living language that that person has been given by God to be able to speak and have a communion, a closeness, uh, a, a supernatural moment between them and God in regards to that gift of tongues. Language is an agreement between two parties, it's an agreement of, of, of these, between these parties that agree in certain sounds representing a certain objects or ideas. That is what language is. And so when using the gift of tongues, we agree with God that as the Holy Spirit prays through us and through, and though we may not understand it, we, we understand the fact that he understands what we're saying. We see in the scriptures, you can, all you can do is mumble and you can, all you can do is, is groan. He understands your groans. It is something that God understands that we may not understand or someone around you may not understand, but he understands. And that gift is between you and him. Now, at times, he can exercise that gift within the body of believers, but it's going to be in an order. God is never out of disorder. He's never out of, of, of going above his name or going over his word. It's never like that. Tongue is, a gift is not above his name or his word. So tongues have an important place in the devotional life of a believer, but a small place in the corporate life of the church. And we'll, again, we'll read that more in chapter 14. But when tongues are practiced in a corporate life, in a church setting, it is to be carefully controlled and never without an interpretation of tongues given by the Holy Spirit. So if some, if we're sitting here and we have an afterglow, and we, the, we're worshiping him and at time, we're waiting upon the Lord to, to see what God's going to put in our hearts to want to pray for, so corporately we're praying together for it, and someone has given, given the gift of tongues, and they start using the, utilizing that gift, and, and, and God is moving in your life, if it's of God, there will be a peace, a calmness that will come over the body. But there will always be an interpretation of tongues given by the Holy Spirit to someone in that body. And they will then speak up and say what that other person said. Because more than likely, one person has the gift of uh, interpretation. is the only one to understand who, what that person said who had the gift of tongues. So it would be chaos if all the gift of tongues are going on and no one had the interpretation. It would just be seen as chaos. Because no one would know. 
So it's always in order. It's always, if it's in corporately, if the gift of tongues is in, uh, the Holy Spirit's moving, there will always be an interpretation. And when you see it, if you've ever experienced you, it's good, it's right, it's calm, it's peaceful. It's a beautiful thing. It's such an intimacy with our God Almighty when that happens. But it's rare in the corporate church setting, it, very common when it comes to individually. And the ability to pray in an unknown tongue is not a gift given to every believer. We see that in, in verse 20 of chapter 12. So any teachings out there that says, if, you're not, if you don't have the gift of tongues, you're not saved. You're not filled and moving with the Holy Spirit. That is not lined up with the scripture. Not everyone is given the gift of tongues. And so make sure you study that. If that conflicts with what you've been taught and stuff, then come talk to me, but certainly get in the scripture. Again, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. And the ability to pray in tongues is not the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. This emphasis has led people to seek the gift of tongues and or to counterfeit it merely to prove themselves and others that they are filled, really filled with the Holy Spirit. You and I cannot manufacture any gift and including the tongues. No one is going to teach you a gift or coach you through a gift. If it is of the Holy Spirit moving, he is the one that will equip you and give you the gift. I cannot give you that gift. I can't come up and say, let me give you the gift of faith. You'd look at me, I was crazy. If I come over here and say, I'm going to give you the gift of miracles, you'd look at me and say, you're crazy. I'm going to come over here and give you the miraculous word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. You'd say, oh, yes, I stood there, I heard you taught, and God was moving through you, and I heard God using you and giving you the word of wisdom and knowledge. It spoke to my heart directly. I thought for sure you were talking to me directly. But I come to you, it seems to these miraculous gifts, it's some reason... People in the churches today think they can come up and say, are you saved? I, I believe I'm saved. Do you speak in tongues? No? Well, let me teach you how to speak in tongues. Do you have to be speaking in tongues or you're not saved? Why, why does that seem so right? It's not right. Because God gives you the gift, not man. Are you with me? Finally, we close up here. Ooh. But one and the same spirit works all of these things. Pastor don't work all these things. Your parents don't walk all these things. The spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, works all these things, all these gifts, distributing to each one individually as he, what? Wills. Not how we will but as he wills. We want his will to be done in our life. Amen? Because we do it our way, according to our will, we'll mess it up big time. We'll create things that will go outside of the will of God.